0: Say so hello, John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, May twelfth, twenty twenty. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, to start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts politics and identity and we do sometimes step on a few toes along the way but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us we will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us and we do it all right here live from the cataraugus territory of the seneca nation so let's talk native but first let me remind you that our audio streams live on our website and i do encourage you go to our website which is www.letstalknative.com We stream live video of the show via Facebook Live on our Facebook group pages, and we share them across a bunch of other pages as well. We take the audio, and we put it up on SoundCloud after the program, which puts it out as a podcast on any and all of your favorite podcast platforms. We take the video, and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV, and there you will find the shows that we do here and our short form videos as well i do encourage people to subscribe to our podcast and to our youtube channel and again i encourage you to go to our website which is www.letstalknative.com i'm the show's host and producer i'm joined here in studio by jake proud who's managing our audio and our video all right let me get uh get into it um you know I, i've been starting off the show talking a little bit about some of the numbers so i'll do a, i'll do a few covid numbers uh the navajo uh, territory navajo people are still really being racked pretty hard by this they're up to uh, 3200 cases uh over 100 deaths and you know when we're, we're talking about millions of people and we're talking about the u.s and, and the global numbers those numbers may not seem high but when you consider them on a per capita basis proportionally it is a very high number Uh, it's and it's not fully explained you know we've we've heard about you know water being an issue and um, you know there's some cultural reasons you know the fact that we live in close-knit family um, groupings and that kind of stuff Uh, but there's still no reason why this uh, why Navajo um, territories have been hit harder than even other native territories. Um it's 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 inexplicable. There are Navajo have more cases than 9 of the United States, 9 of them. I don't mean proportionally. I mean totally. They they have more cases than 9 than 9 states. And all four US territories including Puerto Rico. More cases than Puerto Rico. And again, we're talking about a population that you know when they talk about enrollment, they talk about 300 thousand Navajo but living in Navajo territory it's probably under 200,000 and so this is a pretty pretty high number we continue to see how this plays out um and it's it's still you know it, it's it's a tragedy so um I'll, I'll keep giving those numbers out um other numbers I've been talking about uh, Russia Russia has has passed uh Italy and and uh, uh, um France, all the other European nations, only Spain has more cases in Europe than—and, um, of course, the United States has more cases than Russia. Russia's moved up the list. Um, they're, they have 232,000 cases. Um, uh, Spain is at uh, 269,000 cases. Uh, russia's adding between 10 and 11 almost eleven thousand a day so it'll just be uh, you know three or four days they will surpass spain and then it'll be just the united states and russia sitting at the top of the top of the list um the uk they continue to move up the list they're passing other european countries um they're just slightly behind russia and uh but their their numbers have started to ebb a little bit um and these numbers ebbing is a little bit what i'm going to talk about as the show goes on um but before i get into it i am wearing my number seven you know power uh number seven shirt which is a colin kaepernick shirt this this you know i've I've heard people ask me oh does that mean something to do with seven generations no it doesn't this was colin kaepernick's football jersey number um so the the shirt is in support of of colin kaepernick and i'm wearing it today because of Ahmad arbery and the very reason that Colin Kaepernick was first sitting and then ultimately kneeling was because of because of what happened to um, uh, Ahmaud Arbery and and, so, and and many others and and not just black uh, I mean, people black people who have died at the hands of cops would be cops wannabe cops half cops whatever um, but just people in color in general and. You know, I was one. I was one of the first who was, you know, saying before Colin Kaepernick was even kneeling, he was sitting. And I said, "Look, I'll, I sit with Kaepernick as I stand with Standing Rock." I mean, that's how far back this goes to when Standing Rock was was just cranking up. So, yeah, I was among the ones saying again before before Kaepernick started taking a knee, he was just sitting. And and I said, "Look, I'll sit with Kaepernick and I'll stand with Standing Rock," and you know, Kaepernick's. Uh, protest if that's what you you know people still refer to it as that his demonstration was for the very reason um, that that's in the news again today with uh, um, with Ahmaud Arbery and you know so I wanted to express my support for the family for the cause this isn't just about Black Lives Matter this is about battling white supremacy and and of course there is a clear connection to white supremacy in police departments, even police departments with people of color, because you know we get into this whole notion that that there's a culture within the police department that uh, that views people of color lesser than, at, a, at a lesser place socially um, than than they do white people, and 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 that's and it plays out. I mean, it plays out. That's why we have missing and murdered indigenous women. That's why native people. Lead in death by cop in most of the demographics, age demographics uh, for for young men. I think it's only the 16 to 22 or sixteen to 20 age group that native people on a per capita basis now I'm talking about to, because and I always like I got to clarify this, but make no mistake about it. more white people are killed by cops than anybody, and why? Because there's more white people. But on a per capita basis, on, on a uh, based proportionally on a percentage, uh, Native people lead all lists in terms of number of deaths per million or per hundred thousand, however whatever the you know grouping you want to put uh, use. Native people lead that list, except uh, Black people surpass them on that list in that sixteen to twenty-two age uh, age demographic, and that's just. I mean, when when asked the question. Just like when we ask the question about why you know, people of color are dying at a higher rate than uh, than white people with, with COVID, or mothers are, are dying at a faster, a higher rate in childbirth uh, if, if you're black or if you're a person of color, the short answer, and most accurate answer, is racism. I mean, we can we can throw all kinds of other you know social dynamics into the conversation but racism lies at the foundation of every one of those social dynamics including poverty including you know all of the other you know substance abuse issues all like all the things that you want to try to say well it's because of this this and this yeah but isn't that caused by uh, impacted by racism sure it is so again i'm wearing i wear my colin kaepernick shirt in support of um of ahmaud arbery and uh, and and it's sort of still supporting you know colin kaepernick so um uh, i wanted to, I wanted to mention that at the beginning of this show all right so um what 's the topic? The topic is are you ready to go back to work? Are you ready to reopen <laughs> that 's i mean there 's an irony here because the right meaning the political right uh including all those morons with guns you know storming the capitals of of various states, saying you know that they 're tired of being. Enslaved, or being prisoners of war, or having their freedoms stolen—whatever, whatever whatever their hyperbole has been—they were the ones saying, "Look, we got to end this shutdown. We got to end. We got to open the state. Open the state." You know, the left was pretty much saying, "No, we're not there yet." In fact, all the doctors saying, "No, we're not there yet." But now, uh, all the the entire left has moved to the right. They've moved to the right to accommodate their financial concerns. I, look, to suggest that somehow, and, and they're really playing games here, There, nobody's going to come out and say, well, you know, we, there is a cost-benefit analysis to how many people were willing to let die because of this disease. I mean, that's that's the conversation. That isn't being had. It's what's being, imp- they're, they're using euphemisms. You know, what's the, what's the one that they say, um, uh, Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of them but 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 i keep saying well there's got to be you know um a balance a balance between the economy and and safety that balance means how many lives how much of an increase in the spread of covid19 and the deaths caused by it how much of that can we give um And still, you know, try to regain some sort of economic, uh, you know, push. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Jake said before the show, remember when they were claiming that Obamacare was all about promoting death panels where a series of people who would sit together and decide who can live and who can die? That's what's happening now. This group of so called doctors who may or may not be being heard by, and and this isn't just, the you know, Trump's orbit. Every governor has has a a team of doctors that's telling them, here's the criterion for opening up. There's not a single one of them who can go on record and say, look, some people, we're going to increase a a certain number of deaths by opening up. I mean, they all know that. They just won't say it. And so, Again, it's, it's ironic that you have these people making these decisions the life or death. Look, and I'm not, I, look, I still have my own mixed feelings about the strategy that was employed in the first place. Especially when you consider 30% of all the people who have died, 50% in New Jersey, but 30% of all the people who have died in the United States were in nursing homes. I mean, how could that group have not, how could they have not been quarantined? If you could have reduced the number by thirty percent, if you could have nipped this thing from from entering into nursing homes, I mean that's that is absurd to me. And you know, and that has nothing to do with social distancing, really. I mean, you could have just quarantined nursing homes, made sure that staff wasn't you know bringing the the disease in. I mean, I, I don't know that some of this stuff is bizarre to me. But again, the question is, are, are you ready? Because ready or not I, you know all you people who who've been collecting unemployment and 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 in in some ways financially doing just as well not working as when you were working uh, well now you're not going to have a choice because once they start opening you're not going to say you know what? i'm still not ready i'm going to stay home and collect unemployment they're going to say no you're not <laughs> no you're not once we throw that switch y- you've got to go back to work yeah I, we don't care how safe you feel we're going to tell you how safe you have to feel so, so here's the deal. In New York State, there are three districts, and, and and it's not just counties. This is districts of New York, and they've got nine, I think, nine or ten districts in New York. They've they've chopped it up, and and like uh, the Western District has five counties. Predominantly, it's Erie County and Niagara County; those are the two bigger ones. But you've got, but there's three districts that, according to Cuomo and his, you know, his, his staff. Have met a the criterion to go to phase one reopening. Now those three districts are the southern tier, and it does include the Allegheny Territory. That's in the southern tier. So the southern tier, uh, Finger Lakes. Now Finger Lakes includes the areas around the Finger Lakes, Skew Lake, Seneca Lake, uh, Skinny Atlas. You know all all of those. um, Again, the Finger Lakes from Rochester. You know essentially down to the southern tier. That includes um, where DeLago Casino is and um, Finger Lakes Racino, their, their, their racetrack casino. And the third region is, uh, is Mohawk Valley, which is like the other side of you know, Utica, like Fonda, along the throughway between Albany and, and say, Utica or something like that. So those are the three regions that phase one. Now, when you look at the the news associated with this, it doesn't tell you what can open. It gives you some generalities about what's going to open in phase one. Not all the specifics. So it's a little bit hard to know yet. But those three districts of New York, and these are the only three, are ready to to reopen. And like I said, there is implication here. Because once these things are no longer you know within uh, are, are calling for a shutdown or stay at home, that means you now when you stay at home you're staying at home you know that's on you you know you're not going to stay at home and collect unemployment unless, unless you don't have a job to go back to so so there we have it i mean it, it, whether you like it or not whether you're ready or not whether you're comfortable or not there are p- people in dis- in decision making positions that are going to decide whether you know these these regions open up. Uh, or, or when these regions open up. Now, of course, a phase one opening does have a caveat to it. If they open up these three regions and they start to see a spike in, in cases or and or hospitalizations or deaths, I mean, there's a, a number of metrics they're using to measure this thing. They may scale back and, and, and close But it, But it's no longer going to be the state doing it. Now it's the region by region, I, I think, that gets to, to make the call. <clears throat> not county by county you know and i gotta be clear there because there's a you can see a little bit of attention growing in in the western new york district because erie county doesn't seem to be making you know uh, reaching those milestones for for reopening but other counties like niagara county for instance they they're saying yeah we're, we're in good good shape we're, we're ready to reopen but they can't because they're part of the western new york region so now there's tensions between counties because some mm-hmm. counties are saying, "Look, I, we're we're being closed down because of Erie County." Well, yeah, but you're part of that same region. But that, anyway, that's that's what's going on with this thing. Now, of course, the big question, you know, and, and I mentioned Delago, does have to do with gaming. When does gaming open up? And and it, it's a little unclear because when you read the the news and and the um the releases that came out of the state they don't mention gaming specifically and i went on delago's website and i even went on seneca allegheny's website and i haven't talked to any seneca nation officials but but clearly opening up gaming is is something that's coming now from a seneca nation standpoint let's you know i've I've mentioned it before but let's be clear here gaming is the number one source of public finance for the seneca nation and there's a lot at stake here. I mean, yes, the, the Seneca people get annuities; they they get a check monthly based on the gaming corporations, um, essentially what the rent that they pay, essentially to the to the Seneca Nation. So it's like a lease payment, I guess. Um, but it's based on gaming, and 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 obviously, gaming being open, and that's starting to you know having you know two two and a half months or however many weeks it's been now since uh march 15th i guess two months uh shut down it doesn't take long to go through whatever you know whatever money you've had stockpiled or saved up it, it doesn't take long to go through it and so the the senate nation obviously needs to to open back up but of course they've got to open up and make money and so if they open back up and there's no and nobody comes then then now you're you're now you're you're burning even more revenue away and of course the state's got to be in the same place i mean i think about the lago uh, casino this is a casino that wasn't very successful it uh it was it, it couldn't make enough money to pay its debt service so i don't know i mean i don't know how these the state licensed gaming operations that were already somewhat marginal how they are uh, making it through this last couple of months um, obviously, they probably bought some time with with their debt service and that kind of thing but if i mean the, the, because the calculus here is when you open back up, do you go back to making money right away i mean how long how long is that ramp up period before you st- before the revenue starts to um be enough to to justify because here 's what 's going to happen you 're going to have increased staff you 're going to have to have um Uh, some of the seats restricted to to, for social distancing, you're going to have to have downtime to clean machines and stuff like that. There's probably going to be, I've seen some pictures from Vegas that have like plexiglass, plexiglass uh, partitions by every seat, Um, whether it's at a slot, you know, at slot machines or whether it's at table games, it's going to be a a different animal. And so what is that going to impact? How's that going to impact, you know, uh, you know, the, the patronage there i we, we don't know you know we're we're in an area that it's uh, you know that we we nobody's ever been before, so it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out and you know part the other thing with casinos is there's usually entertainment venues um I can see the gaming coming back, but I can see the entertainment not coming back for a while because then now you're sitting there to watch a concert or a show i don 't see that happening for a while so there is this is going to be uh, this is going to be interesting. I mean, and, and of course, the state's going to open up uh, and their, their gaming facilities, the state licensed facilities, the Lago, the the, the Racinos, uh, the Senecas will have a, one of their casinos will be in an area that the state has opened up. But the other two, where do they sit in limbo here? I mean, are, they will they open up in defiance of of the rest of Western New York? I mean, their there other two casinos are in the Western New York district. Will they open up in advance of that? I, I doubt they will. Uh, but so they're they're essentially being held hostage. And these are two of their flagship. These are the two flagship uh, gaming operations. The Allegheny. Not, not taking anything away from Allegheny, but that is their their least profitable of their uh, of their three gaming facilities. And that's the one they're going to be opening up. Now, you could argue. Well, if it opens up, they'll they'll draw from the crowds who. Who can't go anyplace else, and so you know maybe maybe it'll be a boon for for Seneca Allegheny. Um Obviously, there are, are probably you know a number of people who want to go back to work. Uh, you know, as far as full disclosure here, my son works for uh, Seneca Gaming Authority, so he's anticipating being called back to work soon. He doesn't he's not a casino staffer, but uh, but he works for the gaming authority. So I know there's a number of people they're they're going to have to open this up, and the immediate thing is going to be. A big increase in payroll and they're going to get hit by that big increase in payroll nut um, in advance of the revenue catching up so it's going to this is going to be interesting now i've been talking about this in terms of from the business side but what about the patron side and, and not just for gaming just in general where do many are where are many people sitting in terms of what are they prepared to do i mean are, are you prepared to sit in a restaurant um and and be served i mean is have you missed it that much that that that's what you're you're longing for um many of the i mean some businesses have been open people are still going to walmart and home depot and lowe's and you know there, there's a lot of there is a lot of retail that has been open so not everybody's been locked up in their homes but there hasn't been a whole lot of entertainment you know, movies, you know, obviously, you know, gaming, entertainment. Yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of entertainment other than what you can pick up and bring home and, and stay entertained. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And and we're getting into summertime or springtime. You know, I know it's only 40 degrees outside, but it really is springtime. So. But we're, we're getting there. And, and so the anticipation is not just the great outdoors but but some of the other things that you do in the summertime and and a lot of it's social gathering so it's going to be interesting to see how this how this plays out but i think the the big thing that you know and again that jake and i were talking about is how odd it is that even the left is leaning i mean it if you were to look at the numbers and understand how many people are still dying what the hospitalization rates are um the fact that you have some regions that are that are still growing in, on a, on a day, day-to-day basis in terms of number of cases. Yeah, New York, there's no question that, that the New York numbers seem to be less, lessening. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I've said from day one, I, I sometimes wonder about the accuracy of those numbers because of where they're coming from. They're only coming from confirmed by test, you know, data for the most part. And there, you know, every day another story comes out. And says, well, we think there was a, a gross undercount in the number of people who who died because of this number, or because of this uh, consideration, or, or you know, a- any number of things. And of course, we also every day get another piece of news that suggests that it's not just a respiratory problem anymore. Uh, this isn't just attacking the upper and lower respiratory system. It is, you know, it's not just damaging lung cells. It's damaging other vital organs it's causing blood clots uh, the The latest thing is children are um, sustaining symptoms that are uh, similar to the Kawasaki syndrome, which has to do with uh, inflammation of joints and swelling of, of tongue and, and throat and you know so th- yeah they they're having trouble breathing not because of their lungs because they can't get air through the, through the throats, eyes swelling and all this. so now children that we thought were pretty much immune from the and I don't mean immune in the sense of immunity but but are somewhat protected from the worst symptoms of COVID-19 are now developing some of these other um, parallels anyway because with these Kawasaki syndrome cases they said we don't we haven't been able to determine that COVID-19 is causing them but every of of the you know handful of children who have died and this is from 5 to 16 year olds um, that have died, all of them had COVID, tested positive for the virus. I mean, doesn't think a rocket scientist to to figure out there's a connection there. But you you've had, you know, again strokes, blood clots, um, even you know, they were calling it COVID toes, where your toes get numb because of of blood clots in your in the extremities. So there are more and more um, features or characteristics or uh, symptoms uh or ailments i should say not even symptoms because these these are almost specific i mean a stroke is a stroke i mean these are ailments not just symptoms um so more and more ailments are are presenting themselves as a result of this and i know there's still the ongoing debate on where this comes from who's responsible for it and you know and you can listen to the moron in the white house you know trying to take his shots at china still over this whole thing but at the end of the day. <clears throat> I, and I always come back to the numbers, and I say, for for anybody to stand up and say that the United States is the envy of the world because they have tested um, a higher number of people, well, yeah, you've tested, but you've also have a higher number of deaths. By you know, and it's not even close. I mean, even countries with larger populations like China and uh, and India don't have the deaths that the United States has. At least they're not reporting them. So it, I, and and again, I've said it before on the show. Forty-two other nations have tested a higher percentage of their population than the United States has. So the United States can brag about, well, we, we've tested, you know, seven, uh, seven, we've given seven million tests. Yeah, but you, you have three hundred thirty million people. You, st- you still haven't reached three three percent of your population, and other countries have. I mean, some other countries have dramatically, you know, they tested dramatically more, a higher percentage of of, of their people. So, you know, now we're also starting to hear a little bit more about, you know, tests that, you know, false negatives. Uh, you know, we're starting to wonder about the news that comes out of the White House, how many the White House staffers who test positive. Um, but were they really always, were they negative until they tested, until this final test, or were they false, were they false negatives? And, you know, so the veracity of some of the tests aren't necessarily, 100, they're certainly not 100%. But the ones they're testing some of the folks in the white house with is, is probably the least accurate it's like in the 80s percentage um, of accuracy so you know, look there, there's a lot that has yet to uh, play out with any of this stuff and and of course the idea of trying to get people to go back to work is pinning a certain number of uh, amount of hope that the work is still there um, there are companies that 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 have not and will not survive this even as they try to open up there are companies that are probably thinking all right if another stimulus package comes and i can get this much dollars and this much and this and this and and i get the the same work staff back and we can get up to our level of efficiencies we we can probably make a go but you're not gonna know until you try and and some of these companies aren't gonna make it i mean and we're talking about everything from manufacturing to retail to service industries all kinds of industries that are gonna um that are that that have been shut down but are not going to be able to be jump-started and so it's gonna it's gonna take a while to play out all right hey we're at the bottom of the hour so uh, uh we'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, get into a little bit more on, on this, some of these same subjects but uh, i'm thinking about it are you ready to go back to work ready or not you might have to or may have to try so we'll see this is john kane this is let's talk native we'll be right back <laughs> Back. this is john kane this is let's talk native um look i want to thank our sponsors i want to thank ross and holly john and the rje family of businesses uh the folks at grand river enterprises and native wholesale supply uh eric white and erw enterprises and you know, look any of you who, who from time to time drop a check in the mail or uh take take some measure to support the show and and support isn't just about Helping us financially so we can buy more stuff. Um, there's there is that, but some of it is is just sharing the video sharing the the audio, the podcast, um, offering your comments, letting me know you're there so we can you know <laughs> look. I'm gonna do this if there's ten people watching, listening, you know, or whether there's uh you know ten thousand. It's just you know. Um, I, I've been doing this for we're in our we're in our tenth uh, year. We're almost finishing up our tenth year here, so we're about to enter our eleventh year and i just think that somebody has to have these conversations because honestly i always felt like if i can encourage a conversation that kind of leaves any connection to the show but continues on then i've done then i've done my job and when i do hear people say you know i learned something from your show and it, it and it armed me to have the conversation um that i had last week or the or the the conversation i'm gonna have next week i mean that to me is part of why i do this show why i do the new york show and um you know we're gonna we're gonna keep doing it but but it helps when when we get the support from you the listener whether you're supporting by spreading the word or whether you're supporting by eh, spreading the wealth so uh, uh again I, I appreciate those of you who um support what we're doing here um you know a, a couple of things um before i get back totally on track um there's we're always seeing these battles play out and even as we look at the possibility of opening back up like like gaming for instance i mean it it, we can't ignore the fact that the seneca nation is still in in, completely engaged in a battle with new york state you know i don't care how much popularity you know cuomo gained during this covid19 pandemic um as far as we're concerned he's still an ass and and so are these other governors who are trying to squeeze money out of i mean we finally created a few places that we can generate some sort of economic uh, growth or stability and we are literally literally being extorted by the state's for 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 gaming revenue, I mean it's it's absurd, and and that's not the only place that we we find ourselves at odds with the states. Um, you know, we always have these battles on where the state feels their authority are, uh, where it lies, and you know, and some of what's playing out in, in South Dakota is another example of that. The governor in the, uh, South Dakota is literally trying to tell the Native territories in South Dakota. You cannot put check, checkpoints. You can't question people, stop traffic, and question people coming onto your territory. I mean, it, it. I mean, this is absurd. I mean, there are places all over the world before you can open, walk into a building, an airport, a facility where you, where somebody tech, checks your temperature, asks you if you have any symptoms, asks you what you know, why you're going to where you're going. So the idea that that several of the native territories in South Dakota. They put up checkpoints. And and I want to be clear here. I'm They're checkpoints. They're not blockades. They haven't bulldozed up the road. They've literally stopped people coming in and said, what, what's your business coming onto our territory? You know, have you had any symptoms? Where are you coming from? Where are you going to? How long will you be staying? These kinds of things. And the governor of South Dakota is saying, I'm demanding that you take those down. There was even some suggestion that she was threatening to bring in the National Guard. I mean it is so absurd to listen to these white folks pretend that they can still dictate what we do on our territories. And, and and look, my last show I talked about how we've reclaimed our identity and we've we we aren't as submissive to the states. We aren't as submissive to the to the uh, to the federal government. But they don't know that. They still think that they can just you know run us over and they can extort money from us. They can they, they can t- you know tell us what we have, what we can and can't do to protect our own people, and, and look, this stuff is important. I mean, we have problems on our territories because of, um, and many of those problems are, are caused by people who come by. I mean, part of what you know, even looking at Navajo territory, one of the reasons, one of the the causes for the the, the massive spread of of some of these uh, of, of COVID nineteen and, and uh, this pandemic, is because there are so when you literally when you talk about food deserts i mean the the deserts that exist in navajo territory are for everything from from water food medical care you know just basic services so our populations who may live in close quarters have to leave and go to a place um, to get access to these services and white people are, are 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 running, making runs at those at those grocery stores, at those services as well. So the idea that we that we we haven't been able to when we when we need to isolate. Look, there was no problem with isolating us to send us the hell out of your way, you know, move us off our territories, you know, get us out of sight, out of mind. But when we want a little bit of isolation to protect ourselves, now you you the governors are going to say, oh hell no. We're not going to let you do that. So, um, look, coming up soon, I'm going to, I was just talking to my buddy James about it uh, a little bit. I'm going to look at bringing in somebody from from South Dakota to talk about where this is going. I think the governor, you know, is is bluffing to a large extent. It sounds like even some of uh, the the South Dakota state legislature has, you know, (laughs) tried to offer some pushback. You know it's just amazing to me that even in a time like this, the racism and the conflict between peoples has to um you know you know is right there in the front you know so whether you're talking about uh ahmad uh, Arbery or whether you're talking about uh, uh, christy Nome, governor of uh of South Dakota or these battles over gaming revenue, it just never ends it just never ends so uh, look, I wanted to. I, I, I just wanted to mention that because we are going to look at trying to do a show. I I, I also want to try to explore a little bit more of just what is going on in Navajo territory. You know, even as I watch some of the mainstream media tackle it, you know, they they don't get to the core issues. You know, you know, they they, they say the same kind of thing. Oh, yeah, thirty percent don't have running water. Yeah but you're not that doesn't explain how it is the disease gets there and then spreads so i'd like to delve into that a little bit more so we'll be looking at that on on some future shows a couple of things tomorrow morning i'm going to be on uh living for the city with michael g haskins on wbai Uh, i should be on at 11 o'clock you know and i may be on for you know 15 20 minutes um michael g was my um was my studio engineer when I was on Thursday mornings, now that I'm in Thursday afternoons, I'm I'm with Reggie Johnson. But Michael G is somebody I go back with for years. We did a few events together. Uh, he's one of my favorite people at uh, at WBAI, and I, you know I used to do. He used to do the morning show um at like seven o'clock in the morning, and I used and I've joined him. I used to join him on that show from time to time, and uh, but his, uh, his his producer. Got a hold of me, um, and so I'm going to team up with Michael G. Haskins in the morning. So if you if you go on to WBAI, I'm, and I'm hoping the live stream's working. I know they've had some website issues. But if you go to WBAI.org, you should be able to stream the um, uh, live, the, the show. So if you're not in New York City listening on 99.5, you should be able to go to www.wbai.org. Uh, and uh, and and listen and look. You can go to if you ask Alexa play WBAI. Um, it'll that's how I listen to it at home. I just you know ask my smart speaker and it pulls it in. So um, so yeah. Tomorrow eleven eleven a.m. Uh, you know tune us in. Michael G is a is a classy guy and uh, I you know I always love sharing. Um, a conversation with him and that so that should be that should be kind of interesting one of the things that we will talk about is what's going to come up on thursday on thursday um when i do my wbi show which is thursday uh afternoons at, and in this this week is going to be at four o'clock i've got shawnee rice who's going to join me and now shawnee was my uh she was my co-host until she you know she, uh, she had some some career choices and some things that she was doing so she uh um, she found me a, a replacement for her. And so now I've got Regan DeLoggins, who's my co host. But we've missed Shawnee. And, you know, of course, I, we've, you know, uh, she's become a, a good friend of mine. Um, checked in with her a little bit just in, when this thing was first, um, this COVID 19 first, was first, you know, started to kick up. And then I learned that she actually tested positive, that she became um, sick with, with COVID 19. And so she's going to join us on Thursday, and she's going to talk about how it is that she came to be. um, the The irony is, I did my last show in New York on March fifth. Now there wasn't a whole lot of shutting down, talking about shutting down anything on March fifth. Most of the shutdowns didn't come, you know, till till significantly after that. Um, But on uh, so I that was the last time I went to New York. Shawnee left New York just a week later on uh, on on March thirteenth. And she didn't get out of there fast enough, and she. So you know, again, if you tune in and join us on Thursday, you'll get a chance to. If you if if you know if you remember Shawnee being my, my co-host, you'll get a chance to to catch up with Shawnee a little bit, and we'll talk about what she went through and what she's still doing now that she has recovered, um, and and what her plans are in terms of you know using the uh, her antibodies and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, join me on Thursday. That's at four o'clock again on WBAI we uh, will um stream it here on on Facebook as we always do and of course it'll go up as a podcast in fact i may even take the audio i might get the the sound check from the from my appearance with michael g tomorrow and maybe we'll throw it up as a podcast as well so uh, we'll, we'll see what we do there um but anyway that's what, that's some of what we got we got coming up and i wanted to mention those things um look as i said earlier we're we're heading into our eleventh year here, and we've we've played around with you know with, with format a little bit. Uh, you know, when we first got started, we were on commercial radio. We uh, we were kind of a, t- a call-in show. Uh, we eventually you know saw less wisdom in continue to buy airtime. So we built our own studio here on the Cataractas Territory, of Seneca Nation and um and continue to do the show uh full, and we're I, I think we've been doing this for about five years now you know four or five years so um and we we separated we instead of doing we at first we were doing a one-hour show then we went to a two-hour show and now we do two one-hour shows per week and you know the the question is how do you what do we do to come up with content each each show and that's always a challenge because you we know, we always run the risk because we know we have to repeat some things i mean some things that we talk about historical events um anniversaries um Uh, some of the the issues we face are they're recurring, reoccurring issues so so we we always run the risk of repeating ourselves and and it's a risk that that i'm completely (laughs) willing to take because i also know that somebody who's listening to us today may not have been listening to us uh, a year ago so i don't mind covering um uh, previously covered ground and the way we we rehash some of this stuff um sometimes change or or the it, the circumstances around our conflicts with the state and the federal government change um the the conflict may be the same but where we are as i talked about in the last show we're in a different place as native people we're in a different place than we were in in the 70s we're certainly in a different place than we were in the 90s and we always have to uh, wrestle with um with how we take on some of these battles i mean how aggressive do we be I mean, and, and how, you, when, when we talk about, you know, fighting for something you know, like, like what we call sovereignty, the idea that we have the, the power and the right to do certain things, you know, there, there's a, a degree of absolutism that we have to temper sometimes. I mean, there are battles that are, uh, we can fight them all um, and use, you know, every resource we can to fight on all fronts, or we pick and choose and and i think we we never concede a uh a, you know a, a battlefront but i think we do have to sometimes pick and choose the the ones that we're going to um we're going, we're going to advance and and that's part of the you know we, that's something that's a, a, an economic decision sometimes when it comes to what we're fighting for in terms of economic development gaming is one of those things that that we were persistent in uh tobacco another issue that we were we are always persistent in you know I think we need to have some of that the same persistence as we take on other issues social justice issues economic development issues um environmental issues and 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 we start to see more and more of that but it it isn't always easy to um you i don't know to 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 present something fresh when some of these battles that we've been engaged in are just decades, or or in some cases, centuries old. So, um, you know, again, I'm not, this isn't isn't an apology. It's it's an explanation. Um, We really do need to have, um, have these conversations. And and, I, and it's not just that I need to have the conversation; you need to have the conversation. Part of the reason for presenting some of this information, especially the, the facts and the data, you know, when we, when we give you historical events or or we tell you some, some truths that you maybe maybe never heard before. We, look, I've got friends who are on Facebook who said, "Man, I never considered that before. I didn't know that before." And, and I'm, you know, of course, it's easy to cite some of the historical events, like like Lincoln assass- you know, executing thirty eight Dakota. But you, you go through some of the history. And you realize how long we 've been doing some things and and you know uh, how long we have had success in a certain area that most people were just completely unaware. most people don 't know where some of the areas that native people have been successful in and and part of that challenge is how do we pursue success in, in an area without giving up our identity you know so when we talk about becoming educated or you know, getting into, you know, the medical profession or or, or some sort of scientific field. How do we keep, continue to carry something forward? I know as I do this show, as I do, as I go to New York and I uh, do a show in in the city, or if I, as I give speaking engagements, I know that I'm not a skilled orator. I I don't, I'm not coming up to a microphone to be a polished performer. For me, there's a passion in 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 what I try to bring to the to the subject matter, but it's also an experience. I you know, there are there are plenty of people who can stand up on a stage and talk about what they learned. But and, and and I've talked about this before. Real education comes from what you experience, not from what you read, not from what you what you think. You can reason something out. And you can read something and remember it, and you can and you can you know connect the dots, and th- and that's great. That's critical thinking. But until you apply some of that critical thinking to your experience, and then you realize, huh, if you do this, this, and this, we get to a different place. That's the experience we're talking about. You know, I, I mentioned before, Jake and I are going to do a little bit of a retrospective. Looking back, not just at 1990, but the 1990s, because it's important to realize how a series of events changed what we did as Native people, how we advanced our, ourselves on on many of these uh, um, economic and uh, political, you know, social justice issues, <clears throat> how we get to a place that we are feel so strongly that we were in the in the past we may not have stood up and fought. We may have just, you know, backed away. We, we hear this all the time. When, like Even when we talk about the mascot issue, oh, well, how come you weren't arguing about this 30 years ago? Yeah, we were. You just didn't hear us then. And so part of it is we, we have different tools at our disposal. We have this. We have social media. We have, you know, podcasts and uh, and, and YouTube videos and, and live streaming. We, we have social networking. We have all this, these tools that we never had before. We have the ability to get our voices out in ways that, um, that we never had before, but we're also getting to a place where people are starting to listen a little bit more. Look, when you know, there's a lot of things that I had to say ten years ago that 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 completely fell on most people's ears, deaf ears, as I should say. I mean, they just no, they they wouldn't hear it. And even today, look, there's a certain there's a, a uh, there's a number of people who. Um, might embrace the message that i deliver but they're still troubled by the messenger for whatever reason and look i'm not here to be a popular person i'm here to to try to present the conversation on all of these issues so whether we're talking about going back to work in in the face of a pandemic and what does that mean or whether we're talking about how we take the next steps fighting the state or whether it's over taxation or gaming revenue we need to have these conversations and there are there's ignorance out there but there's also willful ignorance There there's an, there are people out there who simply don't want to even entertain our viewpoints on on, on, a, on a full range of topics it's, and and our full range of topics that affect us it's not like we're trying to you know redesign the white house here i don't, I don't frankly you guys can elect whoever the hell you want to elect out there but from my standpoint, from a native standpoint, I'm saying we always have to be prepared for the worst. We've got to be prepared for the for the fact that Donald Trump could could win another four years. We also have to be prepared for the fact that, that Joe Biden could turn out to be as bad as Donald Trump as far as we're concerned. Because this isn't about right versus left. We've got a, a Democrat, uh, you know, sitting there in Albany, or we don't, but the state does. They, uh, their governor's a democrat and, and the president's a republican and you know what they're they both are, are, are asses and you know so while some people might love some of these guys on some issues whether you know people think that trump is good for business which he isn't but if they think that or they like his position on you know on abortion or, or whatever the hell you know seems to attract you to this moron or whether you you think you know andrew cuomo has attributes that you're drawn to that's fine for you but we as a as a as a people who are trying to survive in an atmosphere that is still steeped in 200 years of oppression we're going to have a different view on these guys and and all we're saying is that you should at least understand where we're coming from you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to you don't have to feel what we feel. You should just know that we feel it. And from the native standpoint, we have to be careful. I mean because look, we are going to have some success uh in a number of areas. But a lot of times that success does depend to a certain extent on the allies, the non-native allies that we have, certainly we need to unify and and stand together, which is very problematic all by itself. Look, we we watched the whole Cayuga thing play out. Um, we we've seen dissension in so many territories over the years: Longhouse versus you know uh, elected systems, uh, even with Longhouse, Handsome Lake versus you know, Great Law. But community to community, we, you know, look, we, you know, political parties, whatever. Um, assimilated versus some that are probably a little less assimilated. There's a lot of tensions. But we, we need to make sure that we, we don't try to fight everybody on every issue. And, and it's not to say we don't stand up. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I do worry sometimes that, that, you know, I don't want anybody to, to interpret everything I say as, oh, he hates whitey. Because that's not, that's not true. Uh, I hate white supremacy. Not all white people are white supremacists, uh, but there are, there's an awful lot of tolerance for for racial bias amongst white people. So this is kind of the message. So you know, as we face conflicts, especially where we become the victim of of something because of because of a white man or or a system that is that is you know, um, where racism is part of that system, whether it's the police or the Justice Department. Or, or whether it's just certain neighborhoods, we have to be. We have to be better than them. So that means that we have to be more. Um, I don't mean even more. Talking about diplomacy here, I'm saying that we have to be. We've got to make sure that we don't fall into the same um, trap that a white supremacist falls into, or or somebody who just hates people because of because of the oppression they experience. Experience or, or the intergenerational trauma that they've experienced there's a lot of reason that we could resent white folks and most of those reasons are pretty justifiable but it doesn't mean we should take it out on everybody who's white I think we do have to make sure that uh, we leave the door open for allies We we have to always create the opportunity to have a conversation even with the people we don't agree with and whether that's another native person or whether it's a non-native person because the best thing that we can do is enlighten somebody. Now I realize, you know, as I said earlier, there's a difference between uh, ignorance and willful ignorance, and you know part of our challenge is to is to figure out who are the people that that we're wasting our time with, and who are the people that um, that as we bring them in, we we understand the role that they have. Is not to control our process as allies, but it's to, it's it's to educate the people that, that that they are closest to. I'm not looking for white allies to come into our territories to run things. I'm not looking for white allies to to provide me even legal counsel or, or or consultation or any of that stuff. What I'm looking for for white allies is to is to stand up to some of the white people who aren't our allies. So, I I just felt like. It, as I look at some of the tensions that we that we are constantly uh experiencing I think it's important that we we don't lose sight of who we are and the people who perhaps we can rely on some help from I'm not saying I'm not asking for for you know for charity here but I think there are people within the non-native communities black you know uh white europeans you know wherever i think there are people who who are interested in in understanding a little bit where we come from and i don't mind educating them but but again i want to make it clear i'm not looking to uh uh, 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 this isn't missionary work i'm not looking to to gain followers or or to bring people in no it's it's just you know educating it's about education so uh, again, I want to remind people <clears throat> Tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. I'll be on uh, WBAI You can go to WBAI.org um, And you can catch uh, catch me on With Michael G. Haskins And uh, Living for the City uh, On Thursday we will be back uh, Here in studio And we will be doing um, uh, Let's Talk uh, Regan DeLoggins, uh, my co-host and I We're going to welcome back Shawnee Rice uh, our, my, previous, <laughs> my previous co-host And we're going to talk about her experience going through as a young person being, um, uh, infected by COVID-19, uh, what she experienced, what she went through physically and, uh, and where she's at now. So that, that should be an interesting story. Um, you know, uh, again, I want to, I want to thank you guys for listening and, uh, and sharing some of the, the conversations that we have here. Um, we'll see you back here Thursday and then again on Saturday. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yeah.